Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Yeah, I, mean, I'm, uh, I haven't made a decision yet, but I've interviewed guys, and I'm going to continue to interview guys on the staff. I'll decide something this evening, but it's, you know, I'm, uh, I'm drinking from a fire hydrant a little bit. I have no fear. I will pick the right guy, and, and we will ride with it. What a video that was. Peyton Manning <laughs> was a great Saturday, one. getting into it. I had forgotten about that. And what was amazing about it, more than anything else, when Tariq Glenn, the left tackle at the time, decides to get involved and tell Peyton to go sit his ass down, Peyton backs up. Peyton wants nothing to do with his left tackle. For good reason. He would have dismantled Peyton Manning one appendage at a time, Chris. Well, yeah. I mean, as would most left tackles in the NFL due to every human on earth, right? I mean, they're, it's, I joke all the time. They're, they're out of usually out of a cave, right? It's a six, seven, 340 pound tackle, right? They're, they're the scariest guy in the locker room. Those, they're the guys, Mike, that you, you, you know, you make fun of like, you don't want to play with me when I grab you and squeeze you and doing all that. Oh, man. Playing. I don't make fun of it. I'm so, well, yeah, you don't want to do it. Right, right. I know. Well, imagine like those guys. When when you mess around with them, I mean, I used to just be like, oh, gosh, forget it. Don't even play with me. I don't even want to mess around with you. It's not worth it. But that's an all-time clip. That, that Because what, Peyton was mic'd up during that game, right? Uh, and that was a that might have been a Monday night game, if I remember correctly. But that was really awesome. It really was all-timer right there. He was mad at Jeff Saturday because Saturday was calling the plays, and that's why we – created the mashup because we now know who is calling the plays oh. in Indianapolis and it's not 
Jeff Saturday. We'll talk about that and plenty more coming up on this Wednesday edition of PFT Live, presented by Google Pixel. Learn more at googlestore.com. I have neglected this week to welcome in our audience. Maybe I did Monday. I don't know. I can't remember. It's been two days ago. Hello to everyone watching on Peacock, listening on Sirius XM 85, watching and or listening on Sky Sports NFL, and listening only on the podcast. I guess we could say hello to anyone watching on YouTube, but the whole episode doesn't end up on YouTube. Just clips. clips, So this clip probably doesn't make it. So no hello to you on YouTube. Hello to you, Christopher. These weeks just, they just, I mean, football season, really, you get into the rhythm, you get into the flow, and next thing you know, here we are, double-digit weeks. And I know back when the season started, I remember telling myself, you just snap your fingers and it's going to be week 10. Yeah. Here Snap your fingers and it's week 10. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, past the half point, halfway point, it, it's awesome. It is. But I just, I can't believe it either. I was talking to my kids last night just about, hey, next week you got one more full week of school and it's Thanksgiving break the week after that. I mean, it, it is shocking that we have uh, come this far, but we're starting to figure things out in the NFL. And there's a little drama, as we know. I mean, it's 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 pretty damn good year so far. Things are close. There's a lot of teams alive. Uh, that's actually kind of annoying, in my opinion. And then we got you know, the Indianapolis Colts giving us a little in-week drama, too, to, to spice things up. Yeah, we're just 15 days away from Thanksgiving. Yeah. That, to me, yeah. is incredible, that it's that close. I am already into my pre-Thanksgiving, watch what you eat, bracing for a full day of unabashed gluttony, which is coming. And I'm already looking forward to the all-day turkey coma plus everything else that happens to come our way and the football game to be played that day. Bills-Lions, we saw what the Lions did to the Packers, caught them flat-footed, although the Packers have been flat-footed all year. Giants-Cowboys, Patriots-Vikings, those games are looking pretty good. I mean, that Lions game, it's its always kind of because it's – I mean – But they're exciting on, this Lions year. Fans, you know. Yeah. They are. They are. Yeah. They've kept it close, and and they could – and it's and you get to see the Bills. Right. You get to see the Bills in a standalone game. Haven't that's gotten right. to see that a lot this year. So that's just 15 days away. But we've got two weeks of action before we get there. And before we can even focus, this is the pivot day for those of you who regularly listen or watch – Thank you, first of all. But second, Chris and I mentioned from time to time, you're caught between one week and the next. You never really know what you're going to talk about. Well, one kooky-ass decision from Indianapolis continues to fill the news cycle. And look, I'm still unpacking everything that was said on Monday night. And before I can finish my list of 10 different stories for PFT based on all the things that were said on Monday night. Jim Irsay's talking again. He talked to The Athletic last night. And so there's more. This literally is the Lucy and Viv with the chocolates coming down the frickin' assembly line. I can't keep up just with the Colts. There's 31 other teams. Jim, let some of the other 31 teams have a chance. He's jealous of Dan Snyder. See, now we know why he wanted him out of the league. He, he wasn't good for the shield. He wanted to steal some of the thunder there. All right, so wait. Oh, go, oh go, wait, wait go a ahead. second, though. Did yeah. you see that? The commanders issued a statement yesterday. Oh, the commander's throwing some shade. Oh, I did I not want to see find that. it. I want to get it right. Well, what, what was the athletic asked, saying? Did well, he say anything interesting well, well, in there? Well, 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 let, well let, let me get to I'll get to that. Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll get to all that. But, but you reminded me. Oh, here it is. Somebody asked the commanders for a statement on the decision of the Colts to hire 
a completely unqualified person to be the head coach. I'm not going to dance around it. And I don't care. Jeff Saturday may be the nicest guy in the world. To my recollection, I've never met him or talked to him. I'm at the age where sometimes I have, and I just don't recall. But to the best of my recollection, we have not crossed paths. And I have a pretty good sense that now when we do, he will do to me what Tariq Glenn was going to do to Peyton Manning. But that's okay. At a certain point, it's elder abuse. I heard that term. The other day, and I thought, you know, I'm not all that far No, you're away definitely not. From yeah. having that right. as my defense. And when I was a kid, one of the things they would show, here comes the music, here it comes. One of the things that you would hear from time to time in the Saturday morning cartoons, the best defense against getting punched was you wouldn't hit someone with glasses on, would you? Right, right. Now, I haven't heard that in a very long time. Yeah. And I never had to resort to getting like the attitude glasses that actually don't have a prescription frame in them to protect against getting punched in the face. But I am closing in on the ultimate elder abuse protection, which what means I got a license. What's I don't know, but I got to do research. That's just right. I, mean, I, I feel like 60 is a pretty good number to where you just go. That's, I'll take 60. If that guy's I'll a jerk 60. to me, that's just okay. He's a jerk. I might have to say a few four-letter words to him, I but can't, I'm not going to But I can't punch him. him. Right. I can't punch him. Right. It's, it's, it's a license to be an asshole. Right. I cannot wait to get to now I had nothing to look forward to now but wait so you do have to worry about now you might get, I get the elder age. abuse protection well you might get the elder you might you might get the elder abuse detection protection but it does like the 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 slate gets wiped clean at some point like okay from Jeff Saturday or me when you turn 60 you get the elder abuse protection but well you know you run into some coach who it's 52 or 54, and you've written some snarky nope. comments nope. and some nope. – I don't think elderly – nope. That's where we got to figure it out. I don't think it's – I think it's allowed then. I think if he's I'll 52 and you're 60, he's like – he's cusp elderly, so he's allowed to cross that line and beat up a guy that's not that elderly than him. I, 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 I think it wipes clean there. <laughs> we, should, we should figure that out. I'll take out. my chances if it comes down to that. We'll see how that goes. All right, so anyway, and I'm sorry. We, Mike we Zimmer's had gotten out of the league. The, you don't have to worry about it anymore. We, 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 had, we had gotten past the waste everyone's time with the stuff we talk about, started to slip into the news, and then we went back to wasting everyone's time. Yes. We apologize, especially to you, Bobby D. Here's the, the, the situation from yesterday. Somebody asked the commanders for comment on the decision by the Colts to hire Jeff Saturday. And the backstory is Jim Irsay had been going off on Dan Snyder, the only one who would come out and say it. So the quote was from the commanders, we would never judge an owner without having all the facts. We stand for people of merit and experience and promote policies that provide equal opportunity for all. <laughs> a clear recognition of the fact that there was a violation of the spirit of the Rooney Rule. The only reason the Rooney Rule wasn't violated is because it doesn't apply to interim coaches. Yeah. It should. Mm -hmm. It should. We've got a story about that at PFT. So that was the commanders getting involved. Uh, yesterday, Ursay was just – just he's in full-blown defense Recovery, mode. defense, and right, yeah. One of the arguments that's out there is this is the most brilliant tank job that anyone has ever done. This is Ted Lasso. This is Major League. This is Jim Ursay hiring someone completely and totally unqualified to coach his team with the hope that they will lose the rest of the games, get a high pick, and find their next Peyton Manning or Andrew Luck. And Ursay, Ursay went off on that. That was where, and, and we've got the quote, 
Here it is. Well done that they put it all together. That's the most absurd thing I've ever heard, that we're tanking. That's bullshit. We're in this thing. 9-7-1 gets us in. No more question about it. We're not tanking the season. Whoever says these things, they're not playing Matt because oh, the, whoever's saying we're not playing Matt because of an effort to tank, that's all bullshit. That's not true. We're going to do what it takes to win. I don't know who people think we are. They don't know us. We don't tank in Indianapolis. So it's not, it's not an effort to tank. It's just incompetence that's going to lead to the same result. Well, Chris. yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess so. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know what to think there with this. I don't think he's, I don't think he's actively thinking of tanking. I don't. I don't know. I don't get that sense. I don't think so either. I, right? I but, think but he's a lot actively. Of people, a lot of people have I raised know. the idea that it's some brilliant, right. some brilliant way to tank. No, I, I actively thinking he's trying to think outside the box that he thinks this is going to shake out the system and he's going to find, you know, a diamond in the haystack here or, you know, what is it? A diamond in whatever right. somewhere, you know, uh, but either way. Is that I, a new one? I, I, I have a, a new one. We've done I think I've before. done diamond in the haystack before. Yeah. But diamond in the rough needle in the haystack. Either way, that's what it seems like he's trying to fine here it doesn't seem like it's a tank job I don't know I mean he's doing his best yeah to sell the people who question things in the NFL and do that and it would make me believe I mean this this move Jeff Saturday yeah the respect I like him I know he could be a leader but that move certainly is going to lead to losses I don't expect guaranteed consistent winning there from Indianapolis so uh, I mean, obviously, they're going to lose some football games here, but I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's a tank job. It doesn't. Well, and I agree. It's not deliberate. It may happen naturally, but it isn't deliberate. And the latest step from yesterday was the decision to make 30-year-old Parks Frazier, who just a few years ago, he walked through the door as the assistant to well, the head coach. Yeah. He was that for two years. Then he was a quality control, which is the lowest level you can be and still be on the coaching staff. But that's where he was. Right. Then he was assistant quarterbacks coach last year. This year he's been pass game specialist and assistant quarterbacks coach. He's going to call the plays. That's the guy that Jeff Saturday selected, not Scott Milanovic, who apparently was a head coach in the CFL. Yeah. So knows a thing or two, maybe more about Parks Frazier. So at a time when you already have the dynamics turned completely upside down in Indianapolis, the idea that you're giving the play calling duties to a guy who was a step below Scott Milanovic, that only makes it even more awkward well, yes. in the locker room right. as they try to put this all together. The, the, now, this is the move that would make me think they're tanking right here. Like, hey, <laughs> hey, uh, Jeff, uh, I'll sell you, Jeff, okay? I'll sell you, but you make sure the most unqualified guy in the building calls the place for us this week. I mean, that that's what that is. This is, I don't know, this might be the, this is up there with the craziest of them all, too. Now, maybe Scott Milanovic, Mike, it did cross my mind yesterday when I saw this, is just just that maybe he didn't want to. Maybe he was like, I don't want to call this offense and this mess right now. You guys put it on my name that it didn't work. I could see certain guys in this situation going, nah, no thanks. I'll keep coaching the quarterbacks. Thanks a lot. So I don't know where that goes. But part, I mean, first off, Parks Frazier, I mean, I know you just laid out. I, I mean, this is beyond not ready for this type of duty. Assistant to the head coach just two years ago. Do you know what the assistant not to the two head years coach? Ago. Three years not ago. Two years ago. Three. Three. It was uh, 2018, sure 2019. Right. I thought it was two, uh, 2018, three. 2019. All right. All right. That's three years ago. Okay. Three years. It's 2022. Ago. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Right. I'm not counting this full year yet. Um, All right. But either way, like assistant to the head coach is like 
Hey, go pull my car around front. Hey, go get my dry cleaning. Hey, go pass this message along to the other coaches. And then you said it, quality control. I mean, again, that's what I was in Tampa. I mean, up in New England. It's, well, it's that's the kiss of exactly death. right. I mean, it's <laughs> it's it's typing things into a computer. I mean, that's what you're doing. You're you're breaking down teams. You're you know looking at tendencies that you might have. They're giving you little projects that way. And then the assistant's quarterback coach, the assistant quarterback coach, the guy who sits in the quarterback room, in the back of the room, in the corner, and hands out some printed papers, and then just listens to the, the quarterback coach run the meeting. I, I don't know. It's just shocking. You can't make this stuff up right now, what's going on in Indianapolis. It's shocking. I don't mean any disrespect to him. I'm just laying down the disrespect of the whole coaching process right now that's being laid out here, I think, is what really is, is shocking to me. Well, I keep thinking back to Monday night when Jim Irsay said, I'm glad Jeff Saturday doesn't have experience because NFL coaches are afraid. They operate in fear. You got a whole room full of NFL coaches now. Beyond having to placate anyone who may interview for the job later or not, you've got a room full of guys on staff who are NFL coaches. And when you throw that brush around and paint gets on everyone, it gets on the guys currently on your staff. And I've had people ask me this question, too. And I think it, it, it has some merit. The question of whether or not one or more of the guys on staff should have resigned in protest. And, and look, it's just like when someone bets on themselves, we love it because it's not our money. Yeah. Like, we lo- oh, I love, oh, they got up and they resigned in protest. What a great thing. How inspirational. Yeah. Gee, I wonder how they're going to pay their electric bill now. I mean, that's the other side of it. There's a thing every two weeks you get called a paycheck that would be the thing that would cause you to not storm out in protest. There's also a legal phrase known as breach of contract that you may be a little concerned about. So, okay, fine, you don't storm out, but Chris, maybe you got some people there who aren't all that happy. I mean, we don't know. They're not going to come out and tell us that. I mean, on a coaching staff with that many people, chances are a certain percentage of them are pissed off right now, and they're going to go through the motions and do the bare minimum as an F you to Jim Irsay. Mike, 100%. There's no doubt. I mean, this is totally against, you know, the hierarchy of how coaching goes. It is disrespectful to a lot of those guys in that building. And I, I hear what you're saying. I'm sure there's guys in that building that have looked at it and gone, man, I'd love to just quit and resign. The problem is, and this is, you know, th- this is one of the, the goods and the bads of coaching and being in the NFL is, uh, again, a lot of these coaches aren't going to do that because they're just, they're not going to disrespect the owner because of fear of it might affect them with another job. It might affect them with the Colts maybe four years down the road when they go work somewhere else and now a new head coach is with the Colts and they want to bring them back. And they go, Ursay goes, well, don't bring that jerk back. He quit on us last time. So that's what really holds it together here is that it's the rest of the NFL that stops some of these coaches walking out the NFL and or walking out the door. And it's the future prospects of jobs and maybe a job back with the Colts is the only thing stopping some of these coaches. I guarantee, Mike, coaches want to walk out of that building right now and go, what the hell? The hell with this? I'll wait till January and try to find a new job with a new team. 
Yeah, anytime you go against the the shield, yeah. even if even if yeah. it is the nuttiest, craziest example of dysfunction we've ever seen in the middle of a season, even then, there's only thirty two of these teams. Once you get a reputation you get for that kind of a thing, right. it, it's hard it's hard to get back in. There's too many other choices out there, especially if there's an owner that's willing to go beyond the universe of the traditional coaching industry choices just start plucking people out of yeah. anywhere out of right. studios to be head coaches so i i wonder whether and to what extent there is that acrimony and look all the stuff that people are speculating about on the outside as they try to make sense of this i guarantee you this stuff is happening on the inside as they try to make sense of it. Why isn't John Fox the interim head coach? Why isn't Gus Bradley the interim head coach? Why isn't Scott Milanovic the play caller? Why isn't Reggie Wayne the head coach? If you want to reach back into the past glory days and make one of the players who was a key part of the team's success a head coach, how about the guy that's already the receiver's coach? Who's in the damn building? Who accepted the offer to come? You know, I look. I don't blame Jeff Saturday for saying yes to this. I do blame Jeff Saturday for saying no to opportunities to join the coaching staff because it would have made it a lot easier for this medicine to go down for everyone if he was already on the staff. So this, I, th- those guys on that coaching staff are, I would assume, justifiably pissed and. All the things we're wondering about, are they tanking what's going on? They're wondering about it 10 times over. Yeah, they are worrying about it. But But this is the, the one thing that you know is great about NFL coaches, too. They're worrying about that. They're thinking some of those things. They might even roll their eyes in a you know meeting the linebackers coach with the linebackers about, like, oh, what's going on here? But, but man, my experience when uh, NFL coaches have an incredible positivity about them. And they're still, it's almost like a teacher in school. No matter what, hey, the principal did what today? Or, you know, the superintendent did what? Doesn't matter. I got to come in and teach my kids and make them better. And there is that aspect in coaching. There is that. And a lot of these coaches are, they're glorified teachers that just know how to swear and are a little rough around the edges and love football. So they'll put their best foot forward when it comes to that stuff. They will. But how could they not, like the rest of what you're talking about, Mike, scratch their head, roll their eyes in, in, you know, in private room or settings, you know, talking to each other, going, what are we doing? This is crazy and giggle and laugh. And like, yeah, that's definitely going on. And of course, with the players, the training staff, everybody in the organization right now, they're all doing it. But that goes, that's where it goes back to the, you know, the, the militaryistic you know, chain of command in the NFL. They'll continue to go on, and they'll respect Jeff Saturday and act like he's the sergeant general, and yes, sir, whatever you say, head coach, and they'll go from there as crazy as it is. As crazy as it is, but, yeah, I've never seen anything like this. I can't remember anything like this in my days of ever in, in football. It's a lot of stuff that a lot of people have to process on the fly. The players will be in the building today. Yeah. They have to, you know, that's when this, there's going to be these comments like, there's some really some stuff going on this week. And then they got to practice and they got to prepare and they got a game plan that's got to be installed. All the things you do Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, they've got to do. And then they have to pack it all up and go to Las Vegas and play the Raiders, coached by Josh McDaniels, who, who left the Colts at the altar, sparking the Frank Reich regime in the first place. It yeah. really is 
the craziest damn thing I've ever seen in season created by a team, a decision made by a team, not a circumstance that was thrust upon a team like John Gruden last year, which was pretty damn crazy. But the Raiders didn't say, gee, how can we turn our season upside down? The Colts did. Again, they didn't do it on purpose. Jim Mercer actually believes the yeah. class is half full. And it's not like this team was like 2-12 and 12 or 2-14 and 14 the last two years. It's playoffs, two out of the last four years. It's salvaging a year with Jacoby Brissett and being competitive. It's on the fringe of the playoffs with Carson Wentz where, you know, again, I know that maybe Frank Reich is, is being held accountable for, for that decision to a degree. I get it. But still, it was a positive year. Did anybody, like, definitely think the Colts were going to the Super Bowl last year? Was that, like, such a disappointment? That That's where it's shocking. It's not like we're – this is like – you know, the, some of the years we saw with the Cleveland Browns and some of the coaches being cycled through there that were winning two games, one game, three game, whatever. I mean, this team was relevant and a player. So that that's where it's even, you know, more shocking than usual. Top quartile of the top quartile of the top quartile. Top quartile. quartile. That's right. <laughs> Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. There, there, there was something else that Ursay said. Yeah to the athletic and I apologize to the control room for jumping all around. I know we have a very carefully scripted rundown of the topics we're going to hit and I'm I'm jumping ahead again. <laughs> yeah, I could see but, that. But 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 Chris. Yeah. This was something that Ursay said about the Matt Ryan situation. Yeah, I know. That tells me one of two things, right? And I mean this with all due respect and deference. He's either really stupid or he thinks we're really stupid. There is no in-between because there's been pushback about the idea that Matt Ryan is benched for the rest of the year. That's how it was presented to us just two weeks ago. He's the starter no more for the Indianapolis Colts. And Ursay said to The Athletic, I don't know how people report these things falsely. There's no playing time thing for Matt Ryan to get his $17 million bonus in the offseason. There's no such thing. They're all available to help us win, bottom line. There's no bonus if Matt plays a certain amount of time. It's ridiculous. No, Jim, you're ridiculous, my friend. The $17 million is right. He's got the right number. There is no playing time incentive. There's nothing tied to the amount of snaps that Matt Ryan takes this year that would trigger $17 million next year. The $17 million... And again, he knows the number. He knows the number. The $17 million is the injury guarantee. Yeah, right. That becomes fully guaranteed if Matt Ryan, with something ever so simple as a hangnail that prevents him from passing a physical the middle of March of 2023, which is just about five months away, if he can't pass a physical... The injury guarantee becomes a full guarantee because he can't be cut while he's unable to pass a physical. So the decision was made two weeks ago, business decision by someone in that organization, maybe not Jim Irsay. Maybe they, maybe they didn't explain it to the owner, 
very well why they did this. But somebody who works for the Colts made the business decision that we are putting Matt Ryan in bubble wrap for the rest of the year. There's no way we're going to take the chance that he's going to fail to pass that physical and we're going to owe the guy $17 million. We're done with him. He's out. We don't want him back next year. We already owe him millions fully guaranteed next year anyway. We're not going to make it worse by risking owing him another seventeen. That's the truth, folks. Yeah. So Jim Irsay is either deliberately lying to you or he doesn't know how things work in the football team he owns, which reinforces the point I made yesterday, Chris. Despite all the past successes, he's not fit to own an NFL team. Well, it, it, it is a little odd. It, 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 it is. And, you know, again, I think we both think, you know, Chris Ballard's running the day-to-day things there either way. But the way things have sh- shaked out or shook out here the last, you know, few days, I, I, you know, I don't know. You know, again, Ursay, it, it, from that comment there, it sounds like he wasn't really a part of that decision. You're right, because that's just it's ridiculous. So well, took- right, but what did, what did Frank Reich say? Yeah. He mentioned Ursay like five times when he was explaining it. It became clear this was an Ursay decision. Well, it was an Ursay decision. I, that's where I was just going to get to this, and especially like was as crazy as this week is. Ursay, maybe he's as crazy as just going, I don't want Matt Ryan to start anymore. Start Sam Ellinger. I mean, it, it could be that. It seems like we're flying by the seat of our pants here. So, I, you know, again, I don't know. Maybe Chris Ballard threw that option out there to him at some point. It was like, hey, you know, he gets hurt. And our own line, it stinks. I mean, we saw that again this week. Um, Sam Ellinger got killed this last weekend. It was the nine sacks few other hits on the ground, you know, taking shots from everybody in that game. So that's a real thing. But, I, I mean, this makes me question everything. Yeah, with Frank Reich, those comments from two weeks ago, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the logic was behind that. I know Ballard's logical and understands all these things, and, and I get that. But, yeah, obviously Ursay is not understanding the details there from that comment we saw yesterday. Yeah, it it really is stunning to me. And again, he either is woefully misinformed about the team that he owns and operates, which makes him unfit to own and operate the team, or he is flat out lying to all of us, which I don't know that it makes him unfit to own or operate the team. Some would say it it makes him just part of the club. Um, What else? Frank Reich. Let's talk about him. Frank Reich addressed the situation via Mike Chappell covered the team for a long time. Reich says his desire, obviously, is to be a head coach. I love the game. I love everything about the game. So you keep all your options open. There's disappointment and hurt. It hurts to have it happen in the middle of the season, but I understand the business side of things. I have a tremendous amount of respect for Mr. Ursay, and I've come to trust his instincts and his knowledge of the game. I just know he's doing what he thinks is best for the team. High road for Frank Reich. Look, every coach who gets fired wants a coach again. You want to get back on the horse. The problem is there's only... There's only 32 total horses, and they're all filled. And there are plenty of other jockeys lining up waiting to get on them. That, that again, underscores how ridiculous it is to hire someone to be a head coach who has no college or pro coaching experience when there's so many candidates out there, former coaches, current coaches, whoever. Chris, have you seen enough from Frank Reich that he gets back in? Does he have to go back and be a coordinator somewhere and prove himself again? Or is he one of these guys that can just wait? I, I, For the phone to I, ring. I, you know, I, I feel like it, it almost falls in between there. Like, I, if somebody hired him against the head coach this offseason, I, I wouldn't go, oh, that's horrible. How could you do that? How could you do that with Frank Reich? I mean, oh, man, he was so failed so miserably. I mean, just like we just talked about. Man, he overcame some of the greatest obstacles we've seen in football the last two years. 
and they were a dangerous football team. I, I think his offense is pretty damn creative, really. So there's things I like. It's been one issue. I mean, again, it's one issue that's plagued the guy. It's quarterback, and, and a lot of it's not his doing. I mean, Andrew Luck looked great the year he was there. As we discussed yesterday, they were 10-6 and six going into Kansas City, and mo- mo- a lot of the football world said, wow, the way the Colts are playing Andrew Luck, they're going to go in and upset Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, so I, I-, I certainly think he's worthy of that. I have no problem with that. I do. Now, I don't know, and, and the perception doesn't seem to be of that, at, at, you know, as far as the national media to a degree. I don't know if they value him maybe quite the same way you and I do. Maybe he does have to go back to offensive coordinator, but I think he's done enough, and we've seen guys that have done far less get another crack at it. I mean, two playoff and, you know, two other fringe playoff seasons to go along with it. It's a pretty damn damn good run he had in Indianapolis, I think, when you when he put it all together. Look, he was the offensive coordinator for an Eagles team that somehow, some way upended the Patriots with a backup quarterback in 2017. That's what got him the job in the yeah. first place. And never got stopped in that game, right? I mean, that was walked the, in right. Right. Walked into an incredibly difficult situation in 2019. He had one year right. that was peaceful in 2018. And what happened? They made it to the final eight. I, you know, the Chiefs, they went to Kansas City. What do you, what do you expect? You I know, know. It wasn't a blowout. No. So, that's what I mean. I mean, I then, know we had then, people yeah. in our set. There was people all over the country going, the Colts are going to go in there and upset them. I mean, that, that's where that's what kind of football they were playing at that point. So, yes. And I, then his life yeah. gets turned upside down with Andrew Luck retiring, and he's doing the best he can to hold it all together. So, I'm with you. I I don't think this is like the Norv Turner go back and prove yourself, and I then don't someone's so going to give you another chance to Not coach. This isn't the Peter principle right. where a guy keeps doing so well as coordinator, he keeps becoming a head coach and keeps getting fired and keeps going back to be a coordinator until he does so well he gets another chance to be a head coach. I really And you know what, Chris? And, and look, I don't mean this to be a comment on Ron Rivera, but I, I'm sure Dan Snyder would love to hire Frank Reich for the reasons we discussed earlier. Would, wouldn't he love I – mean, and he's selling the team – but I'm sure they'd love to find a way to bring Frank Reich on board if they could, even as a consultant for the rest of the season. <laughs> I I would be shocked if they haven't at least had that discussion somewhere, somehow, even though Dan Snyder continues to be on double secret probation, whatever that means. I suspect the name Frank Reich has been mentioned in connection with, is there something we could find for him for the rest of the year? <laughs> that would be hilarious. That would be the ultimate troll job right there. But you know, Mike, Mike you, you, you said it right. I'm, I'm with you there. I, I think this is a guy that's shown he can lead. He can. And, you know, even to go 7-9 and nine that year with Jacoby Brissett, that was impressive. I mean, it was. They were they were competitive and really kind of playing good. Jacoby Brissett, if anybody remembers, got hurt a little bit. That threw him off, you know, for a little, bit of, for a little while, and he didn't play that good, and they lost a few games in a row. And then as we talked about in the COVID year, there, came, there comes Phillip Rivers, tough, gutsy, I get that, but can't throw the ball down the field. And they go 11-5, and five, and like we were talking yesterday, they got Josh Allen and the Bills on the absolute ropes. So that's where. And then this year, you know, as bad as this year was, it wasn't like, oh my gosh, this is like the worst thing we've ever seen. The offense and the offensive line specifically really struggled. There's no question about that. That's the biggest downfall of the football team. And then a quarterback that is not capable of playing behind that at this point in his career. 
But again, competitive in every game. Yeah, did we view as some of them they should have won? Or, or, you know, should they have tied the Houston Texans? Okay, no, they made some mistakes that day. But still, I, it wasn't the type of year where I was going, this is a disaster, it's falling apart. Or at least it wasn't falling all apart because of Frank Reich. There was issues, I think, throughout the organization that you could point to here that have led us to this point here. And look, we've got a ton of respect for Chris Ballard. He had done a great job of building that team, but the roster has disintegrated to a certain extent. The offensive line, yeah, as you've said, has that's been the abysmal biggest issue. this year. Right. It was the big blue wall that we were talking about right. just a few years ago. That wall has crumbled. At some point, Ballard's responsible for that. But, but Ballard is safe. Here's a little snippet from Monday night's press conference with Jim Ursay, Chris Ballard, and Jeff Saturday. Ursay on whether Ballard will be back as the general manager of the team in 2023. Oh, of course. Yes, I do. You know, um, uh, there's no question about that. I, you know, um, you know, honestly, it's, it, you know, um, it's not really even in the, the consciousness of my mind uh, about that. Um, sort of thing, you know. I I, I just know, um, you know. Look at, you know. Chris was highly sought after when he came here. It was a great indication of this organization that he wanted to come here because he could have gone anywhere he wanted. You know, he's been executive of the year before, and you guys can try to diminish him all you want, but that's just your words. They have no substance to it because there's no truth in it. I mean, the guy's a winner. And, and and he's been immensely successful. You know, no one's perfect in this game. We all lose a lot in this league. You know how many shots Michael Jordan's missed? You know how many games Michael Jordan's lost? I mean, you know, th- that's in this league. You know, it, it, it's tough. And and you know, sometimes you don't understand how fortunate you are when you're around success because you think that's the norm, but it's not. Now, look, look, I I want to choose my words carefully here. I mean no disrespect to Jim Irsay personally, but this is what happens. And this is one of the reasons I love the NFL. You've got these multi-billion dollar businesses finely tuned with the best state-of-the-art methods and techniques and, you know, every week trying to go out and win football games, millions of dollars coming through the coffers, a high-end operation. But they're all owned and operated by monarchies. For the most part, right. Somebody becomes rich enough to buy a team. Once you're in, you don't need to worry about the balance sheet. The ends, you know, you, you don't have to worry about making ends meet, as Eddie Murphy once said. The ends are meeting like a MFR. I mean, you, the money is everywhere. You're not going out of business in today's NFL. But the question is, you know, as the teams get handed from one generation to the next, does it land in the lap of somebody who has no business in that position? And I'm sorry, Chris, Jim Ursay, whatever the reason, whatever the cause, whatever the explanation, whatever it is, you boil it down. Just listen to that snippet. This yeah, is not all, someone who over. should be owning a multi-billion dollar operation in any industry. And and that's what I love about it. It it adds this reality show drama on top of everything else about football. Everything else about it that makes it great and fascinating and compelling. The teams are owned by these families that eventually are going to hand the keys to somebody who doesn't know how to drive the car. That, that to me, makes it – there's nothing like it. I know all pro sports are like that in America, but 
there's just something about that dynamic in football that makes it stand out even more. Well, I, I know. I, it, it's, it, it is. It, it is amazing, you know? And to your point, here's a guy that, yeah, maybe doesn't know how to drive the car, but the damn car kind of gets back into the driveway every <laughs> night true. at the end of the night. <laughs> kind of gets there. It's like the Wolf of Wall Street. He kind of he might have hit some cars on the side of the road. And, <laughs> and maybe even had he some thought, Maybe he, even likes he to he do thought, some of those activities there, yeah. allegedly. Okay, he, but <laughs> he, thought, he thought it went better than it actually yeah, did. Exactly. Though. But either way, yeah. even with all that, He's had the brains to hire a Chris Ballard, and they've been in the picture for a lot of these years over the last 20 years. It, it's amazing. And, and again, Off that's where I'm a little shocked by the whole thing. It, the top quartile. Exactly. It, it, it's just, but, but it, that's where I'm shocked by this. It, it, to me, it wasn't, even though this year was disappointing and not great, it, this wasn't like this whole thing was a total disaster. And that's where it makes me think, too, it was like, was there something just, you know, something personal to Frank Reich? Was there one certain move that he made or vouched for that really got him on the wrong side with Jim Ursay? Because I don't know. Carson you know, Wentz. I guess it seems Wentz. like it, it right? That's Carson where I'm Wentz. going. It has to be. That's where I'm going with this just because how can Chris Ballard be, you know, winner, 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 which I agree with, but Frank Reich be loser, 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 loser. We got to fire him right now. There, there's somewhere in between there. Come on. That's, that's not fair. It's not, and and that's where it's all just weird to me. But, yeah, it, it does seem like that. That's what I think of, too. Like, is he still mad at him about the Carson Wentz thing? And, and it seems almost personal that way. So, and, and then also, you know, butting in on maybe the Matt Ryan, Sam Ellinger thing, which I don't know what the hell happened there now. I'm, I don't know. I, I really don't. I'm confused by what Ursay said yesterday, and that's throwing me off track, even though people I trust and believe all think it's about the business and the money stuff. So um, this is a, the best reality show we could talk about right now. And look, when I saw Ursay say Monday night that Chris Ballard will be back next year, I immediately thought of what he told Chris Mortensen of ESPN eight days earlier, that both Frank Reich and Chris Ballard would stay in place and that he said it, quote, rather emphatically. So this is a guy who on any given day can roll out of bed and change his mind. And and again, at times we we say that the Packers are missing that element because it brings real accountability, creativity and innovation this is a week where if you're a Packers fan, you're probably saying, hey, if our one owner who can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants, could be anything like Jim Irsay, we're fine with a 40-person board of directors and, and a CEO that never makes a sudden move. Yeah, I mean, yeah, okay. This, they, could, they could point to this, certainly. You yeah. know, I mean, yeah, sure. But, yeah, again, you could say what you want. The Colts have have been in the conversation a lot and done a really oh, I know, lot of really I know. good things. You know? Well, so have the Packers. I know, so pa- Packers I have as many Super Bowls. Yeah. Packers have more Super Bowl wins I, over the last 30 years than the Colts. I, I get you. Yeah, I, I hear you. You know, But it, it hasn't been totally horrible there. And Chris Ballard, yeah, he's been phenomenal. I mean, I, again, they have a top five defense in football. He drafted guys like Darius Leonard where people weren't sure what that was going to be and He's one of the best linebackers in football. Makes a big move for DeForest Buckner. Yeah, built that offensive line. That was special. And they couldn't capitalize on it, mainly because Andrew Luck left. And, yeah, did they maybe misevaluate how good it was going to be coming into this year? Sure. 
A lot of us did. We all did. I did. Sure. I did. I, I did. Yeah. I had them so, as AFC finalists. I had them hanging another AFC finalist banner this year. <laughs> oh, man. Above the upper quartile of the upper quartile. But that that's where, you know, I mean, yeah, they messed that up a little bit. Ballard, he can be held accountable to that. But that, that's, again, I just where I'm shocked because it's not like things have totally fallen off the rails here in Indianapolis to where you think, wow, they got to blow this up and start over and start from scratch. One more. Yeah. I've already been told we have to take a break, so let's keep this as succinct as possible. How many wins does Jeff Saturday need in the final eight games to keep the job permanently? And in answering that question, factor in the possibility of zero, that he's already got it. But how many do you think he needs? Does he already have it? And if not, how many does he need? I, guess I, I don't think he already it. has it. I, I, I mean, I, I, I can't imagine that he does. I mean, geez, if, if I, you know, maybe I'll join you in that. Wow, things are totally crazy if he already has it. I don't think it's going to take much, really. I mean, if they're like somewhat competitive, if they win three games, I think there's a chance he has it. Wow, and three of those eight games standalone. Prime time, week 12, Monday Night Football hosting the Steelers. Week 13 at the Cowboys on NBC Sunday night. Week 16 hosting the Chargers on Monday night. Uh, what do you think? So we'll I don't know. I just feel like half. the guy's got his affection to where I go. I don't think it's going to take much to sway him. I, you know. I, listen, I think Jim Irsay has himself in a spot where he can spin and twist anything into whatever he wants it to be. And I think if they go 0-8, he'll still find a way, if he wants Jeff Saturday, to keep him. He'll say, well, you know, I put him in a really tough spot. Yeah. I really did. Bringing him in in the middle of the season, and it wasn't even our bye week. I really put him in a no-win situation, so I'm not surprised we have no wins. But I think if he gets the benefit of the full off season and has a chance to maybe replace some of these other scaredy cat coaches on his coaching staff because all NFL coaches are afraid, you know, maybe he'll go go sign up some former players who just are hanging around, not in coaching. But but I saw I, I just think based on what we've seen this week, this is the ultimate exercise in self delusion. That you can come up with an argument, maybe Jim Irsay would have been a really good lawyer. You can come up with an argument to support any damn thing you want to do. So I say he doesn't have to win any because Jim Irsay wants him. He'll come up with a way to spin it and characterize it as it's the right call, even if they go 0-8 with Jeff Saturday and even if it's an abject disaster. Because, Chris, he's invested in it now. I know. I with know, all the I, criticism. I know. Right. He's invested in finding a silver lining, no matter how thin – or non-existent it may be. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with you, Mike. I, I, I don't. I mean, I'd have a hard time thinking zero gets it done, but it, it seems like it's not going to take much to kind of give him the nudge to push him over the edge to go, okay, I'm going to keep him. I mean, not the way he, you know, talked about him before, you know, or, the last, or two days ago. I mean, it, you know, he talked about him like he really thought this guy has a chance to be a great coach in, in the NFL lures here. So, uh, yeah, it's, this is crazy. It's delusional. It really is, and uh, it'll be awesome to watch this weekend to see what they look like against the Raiders. And I hope, I ho- I really do hope, based on everything we've heard and seen this week, that no other candidates will agree to be interviewed for the job. If the winds are kind of blowing around in that way, that this is already Saturday's job, and people got that impression on Monday night, I hope all the other candidates say no. I hope any minority candidates say no, and it puts the Colts and the league in a position where – 
there can be no compliance with the Rooney Rule. Now, my guess is the league will throw them a lifeline if that happens because that's what they like to do because they don't like to tell the world we have teams that violate the Rooney Rule. They've learned it makes everyone look bad. But, but I hope that this sham that we've seen results in truly qualified candidates passing on the opportunity to work for Jim Irsay. Let's take a break. When we return, Cowboys trying to get Odell Beckham Jr. to work for them. Is it going to happen? When's it going to happen? We'll talk about that more when this Wednesday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 